Welcome to the Avoiding Chores podcast. I'm your host, Jim Sear, and on this episode, we'll be talking about the latest moves that Garmin has done in the GPS handheld space. We'll talk about what's been going on in the household here the last couple months, and we'll talk about a little bit about outdoor recreation at the same time. And of course, let's start off the way that we normally do, which is a round of Q&A, which is to answer the questions or comments posted on avoidingchores.com or on the various YouTube uh, videos. So it's been a few weeks since we've done this, so there should be a little bit more. And uh, I've been uploading a number of videos last little while. I don't know if you can hear the rain. It's raining. All right, so here we go. All right, there was a uh, comment here about uh, on the Forerunner 405 410, which is a fairly old video, but this was on the hard reset here. And um, the hard reset was needed. Uh, MGX says here that uh, it was needed to make the ant stick run again. So uh, the Forerunner 405 410 uses that USB ant stick that you plug into your computer. And uh, after a while, it kind of needed a little bit of a reset. Lost all the data, but at least it's working now. And yeah, maybe uh, that could have been uh, a situation where uh, the device was full. And uh, that Forerunner, though, that was that era where it didn't matter if you plugged in the, the device uh, via the U- directly to the USB, uh, USB cable. Uh, you couldn't open the drive, so not a bad watch at the time, but... Definitely had its quirks. Uh, Let's see here. There was another one here on... I did a video on how to clean an Apple Watch sports band. And by simply using the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, of course, I had the white band, so that made a very noticeable difference. Uh, Riley the Penguin comments here, what if it's dirty inside holes? What should you do because I work around flour and it gets stuck all the time? Very difficult to get out. I would say to you to don't wear the watch if you're in doing messy things. Just like people, mechanics, take off their rings and jewelry when they're around uh, dangly things, things that can uh, rip your arm off or finger off. So that's my suggestion. Uh, There was a comment here uh, on my Vivo Active 4 heart rate features. What's the lowest threshold can be set for the lower limit for the abnormal heart rate? Um, I haven't checked that out personally. Uh, there is that setting you can detect abnormal heart rates if it's above uh, a certain level for 10 minutes or below. And I believe you may have a ceiling of about maybe 40 beats per minute. Uh, that, that number seems to stick into my mind. I fig- figure it's that. You, definitely not zero, but you definitely want something to drop. Uh, you know, to, to measure. All right, there's a question here on the Garmin Montana 700 live stream. And I'll talk about that in the next segment here. But there was a question here is about the mounts. And uh, the Montana 700 uh, has a whole new mounting system or new attachment points. So whatever you've been collecting for your Montana 600 series uh, GPS, uh, you're probably going to have to buy a whole bunch of new adapters. And mounts and all that stuff and let's see here and there was another question on the Montana 700 I did a video here on uh, using the track back and other hiking navigation tips 
on the device, uh, Jacques said, is it possible to use a GPX file to load this onto the device for turn-by-turn -turn cycling? Uh, answer is yes. Uh, you can just simply transfer it. Uh, you can drop it into the SD card. You can drop the GPX into either the track folder or, or the GPX folder. So that is not a problem. It will operate the same way. All right. And let's see here. All right. We got another question here on... Uh, the Vivo Active 4, uh, I did a video here on Spotify. And uh, basically, do you need premium Spotify to, in order to download the songs onto your Garmin? And this apply, uh, and the answer is yes, you do need to do that. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, next question here was on the Garmin Instinct. On uh, This was a comment that was on the broadcast heart rate. So... This is where you can actually use the Ant Plus to transmit the heart rate that your Instinct heart rate sensor is picking up and get that displayed on another device here. I did it on a MAP66. So let's see here. Bill comments here, if I got the HR monitor sending to my 64, stop the activity, connect the 64 to the base camp on the laptop to upload a new track, how will the HR data display on the uploaded track? Uh, or for that matter, does it display Basecamp at all? I would think here that it would not display at all because Basecamp, I don't think it really shows any of that activity. Now, if you were to sync this activity, um, now, while you were, well, thing is you're just broadcasting you're not recording the heart rate on the 64 so you should be doing an activity on the instinct itself and then use the instinct to get sync up to garmin connect or garmin explore uh, then that should be able to, to capture that data with with the heart rate you know the the whole idea of broadcasting heart rate is just to show the, the value on the second screen in this case if you're doing biking you probably want whatever strap that's on your chest or the wrist you want your biking gps or map or whatever to show that uh let's see here another one here on uh this montana 700 um so um so there are three versions on this uh, i got the base model 700 there's a 700i which is has in reach and then the 750i which includes a camera on top of the inReach, top of the device. And one of the big questions here, one of the preloaded maps that's on it, which is the Topo Active, uh, is really meant for off-road navigation. It doesn't do highway turn-by-turn -turn navigation. So uh, can you do turn-by-turn -turn on it? I don't know anything about the Montana. Appreciate the response. So basically, um, really, if you see the I, includes inReach. You can still use the, the device for regular GPS stuff, but you can't, you can't do the SOS and all that stuff. Now, in terms of doing turn-by-turn -turn navigation, yes, it will do it based on the map that has loaded. So if you have previous Garmin maps that are routable, routable, uh, then you can load that on, make that your active map, and then be able to do your turn-by-turn -turn navigation. But the preloaded maps is really meant for turn-by-turn off-road, and it will snap 
between footpaths and gravel roads and secondary roads, not highways. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there was a comment on uh, my Tilly Hat video. I did one Tilly Hat video a couple years ago and uh, does very well. Um, Sean here says, I buy the ones that aren't made in China. And I said, what? There's Tilly Hats are made in China. Now, I knew that Tilly sold. Mr. Tilly sold the company. And uh, they've kept most of the manufacturing in Canada. However... Uh, notice I went through the website and I, I kind of went through it all and I have noticed that a lot of the uh, airflow and the, one, the hats that are primarily made of nylon are made in China uh, the rest the more nat the natural products are designed in Canada um, but you might have one that's designed in Canada made in China but there's a few hats that are actually made in Canada Pretty interesting. All right, so what is, what is the next one here? Question about the Montana 700. Yeah, I tell you, a lot of interesting questions about the Montana 700, about the bulky size here. Uh, the thing is huge, it's a five inch screen. It is very big, doesn't have any attachments, so you can't clip a carabiner clip on it. Garmin doesn't offer a carabiner clip. It's really meant to be mounted on a, on handlebars uh, you can unclip it from the mount and carry it around with you so if you're doing short little walks so if you're driving you get to a spot you have to get off you gotta walk a couple minutes to where you need to go with the gps and then come back like let's say when you're doing geocaching then that's fine but to make it your primary gps for the day uh, not great, and also the battery life right now on it ain't, ain't that great either. So I wouldn't necessarily rely on that as a hiking one. Uh, let's see here. All right, so somebody was mentioning here on my Kodiak Canvas truck tent that got a bit of a bump. People were thinking about trying to do camping. I would hope I was lucky enough to get out this year. So. Uh, somebody was asking me, was that box that I put in the bed of the truck? Uh, that is the decked uh, drawer system. So in my truck bed in my truck, uh, I have a drawer system that takes up the entire uh, truck bed. goes up about 12 inches, so it goes right above the wheel wells. So that when the platform is there, it's a nice big flat platform. Perfect for sleeping two people. Perfect for sliding in. A sheet of plywood, uh, other stuff that's flat, right? Because you, you don't have those wheel wells that kind of lose some space, especially when you're loading up moving boxes. We've been doing that works out really good. Uh, All right, let's see what else we got here. Okay, so somebody was mentioning here on the InReach Explorer video. On the how to send messages uh, do you have to pay for messages sending from inReach to inReach devices now as far as I know if you're sending it device to device using the internal inReach email address that's provided when you activate that should be free it's kind of like when you're doing Blackberry messages back in the day uh, that should be fine and there was a uh, comment on the uh, Etrex 22 uh, 
some people are getting a little bit upset about uh, the eTrex 22X and 32X not having up-to-date connectors or USB connectors. It still uses the old USB mini port. Uh, now a lot of things are including the USB-C data port and uh, some people are getting a little disappointed that they're not including the newer stuff. Uh, makes Gives you the impression that they're just uh, barely revamping these models that they come out with. Uh, somebody was asking if I was going to do altimeter barometer functions on the eTrex 22. Uh, I won't be because it does not have those sensors. Uh, you'd be looking at the 32X. However, uh, I'll be doing them for the Montana 700 and uh, functionality is going to look the same. The screens are going to look the same. So I'd say if I haven't done it in other videos, Garmin videos, uh, just look for this one here and you'll be fine. Question here about uh, Forerunner 35 interval workouts. Uh, Amy saying, how do you see total distance and average overall pace when doing an interval workout? You basically need to adjust your data screens. I've covered this a few times. Right? You should have at least three if not four data screens, including the heart rate, so three that you can adjust. So when you're doing your running, you can just adjust the screen or not. Now, now that I said that, I can't remember the 35 is a little bit more limited, but you should be able to adjust the data screens to show you the fields that you want when you're doing it. And finally, there was a question here on uh, the Garmin Instinct. Uh, does it send uh, when you're broadcasting heart rate, going back to that heart rate question, does it send through Bluetooth or Ant Plus? And it is Ant Plus for Showa. And that was a little bit of clutch for those who are listening on the Spotify app or Anchor. I think I looked at the analytics. Quite a few of you are on the Spotify. I've been slowly transitioning to Spotify myself. I think it's... Uh, a little bit easier when you have some smart speakers around the house, either a Google or uh, an Echo, one of those things. But anyway, all right, um, let's talk a little bit about Garmin. And uh, like I mentioned in the Q&A section here, I got a brand new unit uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I guess a month ago. Uh, it is the Montana 700. It is a big refresh from the 600 series that I got my hands on uh, like nine years ago. So this was a very long uh, run for the new 700. I think they, they made it up to the 680 uh, a couple years ago, maybe. Maybe they stopped doing that. But uh, anyway, it's, um, it's very interesting. Uh, they Essentially, the look of the GPS has kind of that round square rounded uh, edges very similar to the map 66 series the antenna is on the other side there's three models there's the 700 uh, there's a 700i which includes the inreach technology and the 750i which has the 8 megapixel i think or 12 megapixel camera now it has biggest selling feature which is the five inch uh, display which looks absolutely gorgeous when I had my 66 and I say had because it's either in a moving box or somebody stole it while I was on the road you know we had a few people in here in the spring taking care of the furnace and painting and cleaners and 
I have a feeling that Sticky Fingers took it, but who knows. Anyway, hopefully I'll find it again. Uh, but anyway, uh, when I had the 66, I was really enjoying the big screen. It was a slightly bigger screen than the 64 series. It was pretty nice. But this Montana 700, this is huge. I mean, this is a 5-inch display. It is ginormous. Uh, the refresh rate is good. Uh, the touchscreen works really good, responsive. The overall UI, even though I haven't touched a Montana in nine years, everything is familiar. So if you've used the 600 series or if you use the MAP66, uh, anything in the last couple of years in terms of UI, uh, expect the same. Same looking screens, you can't get lost with this. Doesn't really have that much stuff um, in terms of technology in it. Uh, it does offer, I believe, uh, it does have all the uh, the new GPS sensors. So, as you know, there are um, three networks, GPS networks, up in the sky. Uh, there is the uh, American GPS network, right, which is the default. We have the GLONASS, which is the Russian, and uh, it's the Galileo, which is the European one. And I believe here uh, the 700 only has the GPS and Galileo, uh, and I believe that's why. And I believe that's because of the inReach, right? InReach is not allowed in Russia for obvious reasons. Uh, so they didn't bother putting in the sensor. I'm going to have to double check on that and on the unit itself. Maybe I'll do a video on that because that does come up. Overall, if you're in North America, that's not going to matter. You're going to be using the North American satellite system and then you have to on that. Anyway, it has all the ABC sensors. It has your SD card slot. Same limits, though, in terms of waypoints, track, track log. So 10,000 waypoints. 250 tracks, uh, 250 saved tracks with 20,000 points, uh, 250 routes, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, stuff that we will not have on our device forever. And of course, you have all the smart notifications because you're paired with your phone uh, with Garmin Connect. Now, they are saying here that you can update the software using Garmin Connect on the smartphone. I would love to see that because otherwise it is it really sucks to try to push wireless and use your smartphone to enable a lot of these functions. But if you can't update the software, what's the point, right? So I'm, I'm waiting for this. I already did one software update and then I should check here and see if there's another one and give that a try. It would be great if it was completely wireless. I don't have to plug in because... My workflow right now, I don't need to plug into a desktop computer uh, with cloud, Garmin Explore, Gaia GPS. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff in the cloud. I just need to get stuff off the GPS. Anyway, it has the uh, weather, verb remote, uh, active weather, smart notifications, live track, uh, all this other stuff. And of course, if you have the i versions, uh, you'll be able to uh, do all the in-reach features, SOS, check-ins, weather, all that stuff. Uh, you can also do, obviously, geocaching friendly, custom map compatible. You can have 
500 custom map tiles on here. So that is pretty interesting. The 700, the one I got, has a LED light. And it's also compatible with uh, some of these, I believe it's the Alpha products, which is the dog collar that you put around your dog. And then you can see your dog going on the screen. I believe that is compatible. So pretty cool. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and plus. So overall, I've been really liking this product. It has the new TopoActive preloaded map, uh, which is a, a hybrid of some Garmin-based layers and OpenStreetMap for North America. Uh, it's great. It's already been updated since I bought it. So at the very least, when you do need to plug in your Montana to your desktop, it's really just for updating the maps. And those are like three gig tile sets. So they're not, <laughs> not small maps. Anyway, like it. <clears throat> it's supposed to have a battery life of 18 hours, but I am nowhere close to that. And it is a big problem. I'm hoping firmware is going to fix it eventually. But uh, if you have one right now, you're not going to get the battery life. So it's, um, you know, eh, hoping they can fix that. But I tend to remember that with another GPS that I got. This was kind of the same thing. The other thing, too, that this one had, it still contains a micro USB for the interface, not a USB-C. Uh, the reason for that, I'm a little ticked, and also it only has 16 gigs of space in it. The problem is it is base model, it is $840 Canadian at the base level. If you want to move up to the 8 megapixel camera, uh, actually, if you want to move up to the next one, which is 700i, which is just in reach, you're up to $980 Canadian. And then if you want the camera with the in reach, which is a 750, you're up to $1,100 and $120. So these are not cheap devices to begin with. And for this premium that I'm paying for this, I would expect the latest in technology in here, the latest USB connector, uh, more standalone. I don't need to tether to a laptop or a computer to do updates. Everything should be cutting edge. UI is completely the same. It looks like I, I was just in the time machine. So I feel after the fact that it has a big display, touchscreen is fantastic. It's mounted really for to be on handlebars. It's mounted to be on the bike. It's mounted to be, uh, you know, meant to be mounted on a motorcycle, ATV, side by side. Uh, that's where the strength is for this uh, GPS. And it's also for the routing, right? You can do nat turn by turn navigation, but the 700, it's really geared for off-road navigation. But that doesn't stop you to put City Navigator or some other products on here and operate it like a car. So I'm hoping uh, this will be a little bit more flexible over time. The accessories don't include anything for hiking, even though you can still hold it in your hand to do short little spurts, but this is really meant to be mounted on a pair of handlebars, and that's it. A little bit of Van Halen eruption. Sad news, Eddie Van Halen left us. Yet another musician leaving in 2020. A little sad by that, but gives you an opportunity 
if you're listening to this podcast on the Spotify app to hear the song. Okay, one more Garmin story and then we'll move on to the outdoor recreation. So I've talked about the Montana 700 being kind of the big uh, outdoor handheld release. There was another release that just came out. It is the uh, GPS Map 65 series. Now this kind of sits a little bit above the 64 series and obviously between the 66 series. So the 64 X series really is the same 64. I think it has a different case. Uh, I think there's really not much more of this. This is Garmin's habit now for the handhelds to really recycle the existing form factors, doing very minimum updates and very minimum refreshes. So I kind of been complaining about this with the eTrex 22X and 32X. Uh, the fact that it's still using the same mini, USB mini adapter, doesn't appear to be any faster, doesn't appear to be, doesn't add, doesn't have any of the new wireless, no Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, it's really just a standalone device. Makes me wonder, are they just changing the color, is it the same thing, why are we not, you know, why are we not getting some technology upgrades here? And the same thing can be said for the 64X series, but the 65 series uses the same 64 shell. The only thing that's really different about this is the, uh, uh, there's two, there's the 65 and 65S. Uh, the 65S you want because it has the ABC sensors on it. So the reason why it's called an S with sensors is also has the sensors, it also has the uh, multi-GPS support. So this one should include the GPS, the Russian GLONASS, the European Galileo, uh, the Japanese Quartz system, and the India GPS system. There's an awful lot of GPS networks now. I did not know there were so many, but it has a quite a few in there. Uh, again, it has the same loaded topo active maps. Uh, you can sync with Garmin Explorer, which is probably your easiest way to get uh, the tracks off of a Garmin now. I've been doing it on the Montana, and uh, it does make things a little helpful. You can't do anything in Explorer, and that's another pet peeve of mine, uh, because they haven't done anything with Garmin Basecamp for, I don't know what, 10 years and I think the only update they've been doing is to remove features from it you know they took out Garmin Adventures they took out the Garmin Cloud thing they, 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 they're kind of turning off stuff makes me wonder how long this app is going to be available but there are quite a few people who still use this app to manage their tracks their waypoints to do their geocaches their all this other stuff I myself I've been moving towards cloud so I've been moving towards Gaia GPS uh, only because my workflow is phone, tablet. I don't really have a desktop or a laptop at home. And I'm finding that as long as I can get information on Garmin Explorer, then I can extract that GPX file and send it to Gaia GPS and work from there and do what I normally do, which is just a catalog, the waypoints. Uh, you don't, you can't edit the tracks, but then again, if you really need to do some heavy lifting with these GPX files, your tracks and your waypoints, you're probably using heavy duty apps such as QGIS, which is an open source GIS program. So if you're doing any type of mapping, 
you probably are aware of that if you don't have access to Esri for their uh, mapping. Uh, Delorme, you know, Delorme used to have a mapping GIS kind of program that Garmin kind of sells. I don't know if they're going to integrate that or offer that now as the new base camp. Who knows? But um, the biggest thing, the biggest trend I would like to see with these handhelds is one, the move to wireless, better support for uh, Garmin Explore, the actual do stuff in Explore. Explore right now is really just the, uh, it's just an, a layer on top of the inReach portal that if you don't have inReach, but you have a Montana, Map 66, Map 65, and that's about it. Maybe an Orverlander, and that's in the handhelds or the, I'm not counting the wrist GPSs. There's Phoenix and Mark and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I would really like that Explore to be what Basecamp used to be just need some basic functionality but uh that's not garmin's strong suit they're not big on software they make good hardware but then it takes about a year or two to get everything up up the snuff here but it's nice to see that garmin is finally addressing the handheld market i'm uh, as i go through the list here uh there are probably going to be a few models that are gonna i think gonna disappear obviously the montana 600 series that's going to disappear soon E-Trex Touch, they got the Touch 25, Touch 35. I can't see that sticking around for much longer. E-Trex 10, that is your bargain basement GPS. It's 150 Canadian, right? So a lot of schools, a lot of learning establishments that teaches GPS still uh, uses the 10 because it's bare bones. <clears throat> I think that's going to probably stay for a little bit, but, you know... There's no reason why the 22X can't do the same thing too. Other than that, I think they're going to keep the Rhino series, the uh, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon series. That makes, that's kind of redundant, right? I really can't see now the Oregon finding a spot here uh, unless they really take the E-Trex Touch and they kind of blend it in with the Oregon, kind of like what the, the Dakota series was, right? You remember? We had three touchscreens. We had Dakota, Oregon, and Montana. Now we have Montana, Oregon, and the E-Trex Touch. Um, somebody, somebody has to go. Oregon, I think Oregon's going to go. Because you look at the old Oregon 750, that's 700 Canadian. You're not that far from the Montana series, so why... Why have this this unit here? So I would not be surprised that the Oregon disappears and we might see some refinement here in the handhelds. Overall, you know, they were kind of slow to update, but they've been uh, slowly refreshing the handhelds and I'm kind of kind of thrilled or I'm kind of happy that they're at least updating some of it. I still would wish them to actually update some components, but I mean, this recycling form factor is fine. But they got to add in some little newbie stuff I'm going to be paying. I'm, I'm, my biggest fear is that they're going to do what handhelds, what they did with the wristwatch, the watches, right? Really create a luxury brand for these uh, handhelds. And handhelds should not be more than $700, right? Uh, you know, because this is meant to be held, mounted, shook, dropped, 
get abused. And if I'm going to be paying, like I said, for a brand new Montana, almost a thousand dollars, it better perform or it better be have the technology that I'm going to be using it for the next five to seven years, including good battery life, USB-C, top notch wireless capabilities, that kind of stuff. But if you're, you know, if they were to say, you know, we're just going to keep with the GPS map 64 shell. And then we're just going to update it. I'll be fine with that too, because that form factor you see it in the old inReaches, even the Map sixty six. They all have that look. It's a tried and true form factor. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, a little bit of uh, music here. If you're listening on the Spotify app to this podcast, theme song from the um, Justified TV show. I'm on my fourth or fifth round of watching Justified. I don't watch a lot of things twice. I watch things once. That's why I'm not using Netflix as much, but I am re-watching again Justified. I had just did that earlier in the spring once we did our first uh, bout of the lockdown, but I always enjoy that show. The reason why I picked that song is because uh, we did some outdoor stuff last little while. Uh, now that we've settled on the house, house sale went through, it closed, we kind of relaxed. because It seems like I spent every weekend doing stuff for the house. And um, we decided to not do family camping. Well, we tried to do family camping, but then there was big rain for each of those weekends. We ended up canceling and... And we opted to rent a cabin up in Cape Breton in a little community called Dingwall. And uh, me and Keith and the fams got together in this nice little coastal cabin and enjoyed a couple nights and uh, just had a really good time. We explored the uh, Cape Breton Highlands National Park, a couple easy trails, went up to Meat Cove, which is a bucket list thing. But having done it, yeah, it's just a bucket list. Don't expect too much when you get there. Great views along the way. I mean, there's a few spots where the views is just fantastic. The actual destination itself is like, eh, eh. <laughs> could be better. But anyway, um, so one of those out, uh, yeah, so that was our, our activity. And uh, I was uh, trying out some new products while we were doing some hiking. We uh, tried some new, I had bought some Panagonia vests with wool vests. That was working out pretty good. I also was trying out a new hat I bought. So if you've seen me on the YouTube or on the Instagram, I always have a shuffle, <laughs> a tilly hat on. And uh, I wanted something a little heavier, maybe a little dressier. Because I was living in or working in places where people wear cowboy hats a lot. And I saw a lot up close and kind of got a hankering for it. Something a little bit nicer. But outdoor. Still able to do the outdoors. So back in March I had bought the Tilly Mountain Fedora. Which from afar looks alright. Get closer. Looks like a Tilly. It's a wool felt. Right? Budget. <laughs> Uh, wasn't cheap though. Tilly, Tilly always pay a premium. And uh, I found that I had worked okay in the spring. Things kind of got warm pretty quick. Uh, but I did it 
you know, I'm, I've been using it a couple times now this fall, and it seems to be better, better suited for fall weather. Works all right. I mean, I'll be doing a video on this uh, a little while about rain and some design stuff that I wasn't entirely satisfied with this hat. And the last month or so, I'm like, you know what? I want to get something else. <coughs> so I ended up uh, ordering a Stetson Route 66 that is also a wool felt hat. Came in like two days from the, from the West Coast and crazy fastest shipping I've ever seen. Uh, Price-wise, pretty much the same once the exchange rates between U.S. and Canadian dollars. Uh, outdoor, meant for the outdoor, it is a crushable, rollable hat. And that means that you can roll this hat up so you can shove it into your luggage or put it in a tube or whatever. It's a cattleman. It's, it has a Western look to it. Um, it has the same cattleman crease. Uh, the, the trendy hat this year has been the Open Road, uh, which has a kind of a snap lid or snap brim for kind of different looks. You know, look any musician, any hipster musician uh, the past year, they're probably wearing, if they're wearing a hat, they're wearing an Open Road. So it has that cowboy kind of crease and then it has a different thing. Anyway, point is, so I ordered that, tried it out. Did some hiking with it, and there's a couple things. One, I cannot believe Tilly is charging that much little money for that much money for that hat. Yes, there's some manufacturing to it, but then you look at the Stetson, which is essentially the same price, it is completely different categories. It's very interesting. So I'm kind of I'm gonna wear it. Looks like I'm gonna enjoy it this fall, and uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna order the Open Road. I think once supplies starts to get reestablished, I wouldn't mind getting that just to to get into those those full brim hats. So, but uh, back to the cabins at Dingwall, has some really nice time. So I would say, obviously, when when you talk about Cape Breton, uh, you gotta do at least two days. You can't just you can't just the, the last thing you want is say, how long would it take to leave Halifax? And do the Cabot Trail to get back at the end of the day. Well, for one is like, no. <laughs> you don't want to do that. It takes you five hours to get up there anyway. Uh, the couple of hours you'll be spending on the trail, like, you won't have time to do anything. You'll be spending an entire day in the car. And Cape Breton is just fantastic. And especially if you go in October, early part of October, like now... Cape Breton looks fantastic. It's just glorious. We were there. It was just starting to turn. I mean, we were there in late September. It was just starting to turn. And I said to the missus, I said, man, we should we should be up here in three weeks. But anyway, we this is what the plan that we did. We totally enjoyed our time. We absolutely will. And the other thing we noticed, too, is that there was a lot more accommodations than we remembered last time we were up in the area. But uh, I would definitely say, you know, uh, the cabins we stayed at Dingwall, which was uh, it's called the Markland in Dingwall. It's pretty high up. 
nice spot. has a little restaurant there. Uh, it has a couple different types of cabins. So we were two families, right? So I think we were eight in total. Uh, no, hang on, four, seven. We were seven, <laughs> seven heads. Uh, so we were in the deluxe cabin. So you had uh, the cabin on each side. It was one structure. And on each side, it was divided in thirds. And then uh, each side was the actual sleeping area and included the bathroom. And then in the middle unit, so it's all one attached unit, you go outside through the, the doors and you go in in the middle. And the middle was simply was your kitchen, yet another bathroom, and just a social area. So it was a fantastic layout. When it was time to put the kids to bed, put kids to bed, the boys could still stay in the middle, drink some of the some fine whiskey, all that other stuff there. So it uh, was pretty nice. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, the White Point. We did a White Point Trail, which is not an officially listed trail. You might find it uh, on all trails or some other sites. So it's kind of a interesting little drive, about 20 minutes away from there. And I would say if you do the Cabot Trail, uh, do it counterclockwise. Counterclockwise looks amazing. Anyway. All right. So anyway, that's that's about it. Uh, we've kind of been uh, putting away our outdoor stuff. I've really been debating what we're doing for next year. Or I think because of the whole COVID situation. And it definitely looks like the second wave is, is taken off here. Uh, Nova Scotia, not so bad now, but... Neighboring New Brunswick and stuff, uh, things are, are starting to ramp up again. Uh, you know, I, I think I think I think I'm going to be looking at uh, accommodations like cabins, some of the glamping stuff, so that uh, we need to be able to get away, but we can have our own little isolated bubble. And I think the cottages are are a really good option. You know, the camping stuff, you know, it's funny. I did uh, I did a round of camping uh, when we put the house up in July. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite working out. I don't think if you do the same protocols again, I think it's, especially when you're doing the family stuff, I don't think that would be a great thing to do. I, I do think the staycation and, and really looking at it. And, and I'm really starting to think about my Kodiak tent, right? Um really starting to think of maybe I need something else for that. Maybe move up to a tapui tent, right? But that involves a couple thousand dollars in investment. Got to get some new equipment for the truck, some mounts and all that. Or for the $600, I was able to get this canvas thing I can just slap onto the truck anytime I wanted. So well, right now, I got the fat bike doing some trails. Uh, every weekend now, I told the missus, like, until the snow flies, well, actually, the snow doesn't really matter because I have a fat, fat bike, uh, I am doing some trails. So, I've been doing some trails. I did, uh, let's see, I ended up uh, doing a little bit of uh, trails at Tremont Park in Annie Ganesh. Nice little park there to do a couple loops. I went back to Kijimokujik National Park this last weekend, did uh, the new Ukemi Trail, which is a brand new trail, just got 
just opened this year. It is a, it is a mountain biking trail. It's on relatively flat land. It starts at Mill River or at the Visitor Center. Or you can park at the Mersey River parking lot. And then it's a almost 7-kilometer trail, linear trail. So back and forth is quite a haul. Well, 14K, whatever. Um, it is a really good trail. I'm not a technical rider at all for mountain biking. Uh, but I could say once I got to the end of it, I'm like, I'm good. I'm just going to get on the parkway, nice, some nice flat asphalt, and get back to the truck. <laughs> it was really good. They had a whole bunch of different obstacles. They have, <clears throat> they had all these uh, different areas. So, I, and it's not too, too complicated. You know, I think if you had kids that are starting to do the mountain biking, they can do some of the burns and all that stuff. Uh, that would be a fantastic place. I uploaded to Gaia GPS uh, some of the tracks. So I haven't quite figured out how to really promote these tracks that I'm uploading. So you can see what I'm up to. I've been also adding pictures. Um, so once I get that kind of figured out, uh, I'll start posting that a little bit more. I mean, either on the website or on uh, the Twitter account. And that's it for another episode of the podcast. Uh, if you are listening on the Spotify app, uh, hopefully you'll be able to listen to the music, the tracks. I'll be incorporating that into the podcast here. Yeah, a little longer podcast. I haven't uh, done an episode in a few weeks and uh, got a little longer content, but I do appreciate everybody listening. Salut tout le monde, because I'm seeing a lot of, uh, start to see some analytics Starting to see where you guys are coming from or from generally, country-based. So I appreciate uh, y'all listening. Uh, I will be posting um, some new videos. Actually, I am uh, uploading uh, some content for the Zolio device. I'm going to deliver that to the people over at Zolio. So you'll see that. I do have a playlist set up. Uh, either on my YouTube page or on avoidingchores.com. You can check that out. Uh, I'll still be continuing to upload some Montana 700 videos. And I've uh, started, I didn't mention this because I wanted to focus on Garmin. I got a new Apple Watch. I'll be mentioning that in the next episode here about uh, the transition to Apple Watch ecosystem and all that fun stuff. Have any comments? Uh, send me a ping, send me a message, send me a tweet. Otherwise, check things out at avoidingchores.com, gps.training, or on Twitter.